It's time to be equipped with spiritual battle. Defending the Faith is a show to train Christians worldwide to be effective teachers and speakers on the subject of biblical creation so that the next generation can stand firm on the biblical truth and defend their faith. Now here's your host of Defending the Faith, Mike Riddle. Welcome to Defending the Faith. I'm your host, Mike Riddle. And again, our show is about teaching on the topic of creation, evolution, and biblical apologetics, or how to defend your faith. Our ministry is called Creation Training Initiative, or simply CTI, Creation Training Initiative. You can find us on the web at creationtraining.org. That's creationtraining.org. And incidentally, if you want to watch some videos, we have over 80 30-minute videos on our website, professionally done, all free all free. There I do some teaching. We interviewed some great scientists, even interviewed three professional football players on there. We also encourage you to email us with your comments at info at creationtraining.org. That's info at creationtraining.org. Now, our topic today is a very controversial one. It's called the days of creation. How long were they and does it really matter? There tends to be an awful lot of controversy about the length of the days of creation in Genesis 1. There also tends to be an awful lot of apathy out there, which means uncaring about the days of creation. Now, four common explanations for what the days were. Four common explanations. One, the word day in the Genesis 1 can mean a literal day, implying a very young earth, about 6,000 years. Or some people say the word day means long ages, implying a very old earth, millions to billions of years old. Some people say there's not enough information to determine the true meaning of the word day. And others say it really doesn't matter. Let's just focus on Jesus. You know, my answer to that is, yes, we should focus on Jesus. Amen to that. Why? Well, Jesus was the one who called everything to existence. He's the creator. So we need to start our study in Genesis 1.1. Also, when you start the last book of the Bible, what does it say? The revelation of Jesus Christ. In other words, the whole Bible's about him, folks. So that means we need to teach the whole Bible. So amen, we should teach about Jesus. Now, in order to establish the true meaning, and I've just given you four different explanations for what people think the word day means. In order to establish the true meaning, we're going to follow and apply some rules. And these rules are talked about quite often in our public universities, not our public, but Christian universities. There's a word here. I'm going to use one of these college words, if that's okay. Hermeneutics. That's a big word. What does it mean? Well, that's the rules we're going to apply, the principles of hermeneutics. Now, hermeneutics comes from the Greek. It means to interpret. In other words, it means we have a verbal defense. Hermeneutics is the study of the interpretation of written text or language. It is a method how we interpret God's Word. Now, there are four rules that are common in hermeneutics. Now, there's whole courses on hermeneutics. We're just going to cover four of those in trying to understand what the word day in Genesis 1 means. First, there's the original intent of the author. What did the author intend the word day to mean? Secondly, there's context. We need to keep things in the context they were given to us. Third, there is the explicit constrains the implicit. In other words, if something is explicitly stated, it has precedence over something that might be implied. And fourth, there's the purpose of communications. Well, let's start with number one here. Again, we're trying to figure out what were the days of creation? How long were they and how can we know? 
Well, since none of the human authors are living today, we cannot ask them the intent. However, the Bible does teach in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. In other words, God is the ultimate author. Men, through the, his guidance of the Holy Spirit, wrote the words down. So we have to look at what God meant by the words he used. So he's the original author. So let's look at the context he gave it to us. Number two is context. If a word can have multiple meanings, like the word day, we must use context to help understand the true meaning of the word. For example, the word day in the Hebrew language is yom, Y-O-M. Now, this word can have several different meanings. It can mean the daylight portion of a day. It can mean a 24-hour period. It can mean some distant point in time, such as the day of the Lord, and it can have other meanings. Now, if a word can have different meanings, the best way to understand its meaning is the context where it is used, not where it's used somewhere else, but the context where it is used. So in this case, we're going to go to Genesis chapter 1 and look at the context, how it is used there. We don't care about opinions here. We're going to go to God's word, not opinions. So first of all, in Genesis 1, we read first day, second day, third day, fourth day, fifth day, sixth day. Notice anything significant there? Yes, God used a number with the word day in each case. Is that important? It might be, because in the Old Testament, we have a number used with the word day 410 times, and it never means a long period of time. It always means a short period of time, day. So God shows a consistency in how he's communicating to us. Secondly, God specifically chose the word day. And there are other words that he could have used that are in the Hebrew language that can be used for long periods of time, but God chose none of those. He specifically chose the word day. Then he bound the word day, evening and morning, first day, evening and morning, second day, evening and morning, the third day. In other words, God gave each day definite beginning and a definite ending. So we have a number of the word day and evening and morning, and God chose the word day. Now, everywhere in the Old Testament where we have evening and morning, evening and morning, it always means a literal day. There appears to be a consistency here in God's word, meaning the true meaning of the word day is literal day. Let me give a couple of quotes here. Andrew Steinman, he has his PhD in Near Eastern Studies and is professor of theology and Hebrew, states this. There was an evening and there was a morning. One day essentially says evening plus morning equal one day. In this context, day is clearly defined as being a regular day. Professor Wang, PhD in Biblical Studies and professor of Biblical Hebrew, states, In Genesis 1, Yom comes with evening and morning and is modified by number. So it's obvious that the Hebrew text is describing a 24-hour day. Let's do one more. Robert McCabe has his doctorate in theology in Old Testament languages, and he states, 
whether evening and morning are used together in a context with day or they use without day, they are used consistently in the Old Testament as a reference to literal days. God is consistent here. Now, let's go to another example here. The Ten Commandments. Exodus chapter 20, verse 11 states this. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Now, who wrote down the Ten Commandments? God did. God wrote down on the stone tablets that his creation took six days, not millions of years. Ladies and gentlemen, God is not the author of confusion. In commandment four, he wrote down six days, not six long periods of time. The confusion about the word day, what the word day means, is not caused by God. The confusion comes when man refuses to use proper method for understanding his word called hermeneutics. God is best qualified to tell us what he means, and his word does not have to be reinterpreted according to current scientific understanding to be accepted by the majority. You see, if we let our understanding of science be the tool for interpreting God's word, then we will never know for sure what the true Bible means, including the gospel. For example, our understanding of science is constantly changing. We find out things we thought were true are wrong. Let me give you a very practical example on this. I want to tie in creation and the cross here. Let me ask you some questions out there. Do we really believe that Jesus suffered and died on the cross? When I ask that question in churches, people will unanimously say yes. Then I ask another question. Do we really believe that he rose from the dead on the third day? And when I ask that question in church, people unanimously say yes. Then I'm going to ask the question, why do you believe that? You were not there to see it happen, so why do you believe that Jesus died on that cross and was raised again on the third day? And the answer will come back, we believe because it's in the Bible. We believe it by faith. (coughs) Now, let me challenge you one more time on this. Did you know, if you're relying on science, if you're relying on scientific evidence to support how Bible, what the days of creation were, did you know that according to all known science, you cannot be dead for three days and come back to life? Therefore, if you're letting science be your guide for interpreting the Bible, you no longer believe in the gospel, the resurrection, because it's not possible according to known science. Do you see the inconsistency we have in the church? You'll believe the resurrection, even though it goes against known science, but you will not believe, many won't believe, that God created everything in six little days, as his word plainly says, because our scientists can't do it. And the world sees this inconsistency in the church, and they say, why should we believe the Bible when you don't? The church is gradually and more and more becoming a stumbling block for people accepting God's word. Let's talk about this, the communications. The entire point of communication is to transfer an idea from one person to another person. Thus, genuine communication is only possible 
if words have objective meaning, not subjective, but objective meaning. And God chose the word day, and he defined it for us. What more do we need? If you're using science as your, as your marker there, then I ask you, why do you believe the gospel? You have no foundation for it anymore. Now, we've just gone through several evidences, the days meaning little days, day with a number, evening and morning defines the day. The fourth commandment, Exodus 20, verse 11, God wrote down six days. Nowhere, let me emphasize this, nowhere does God explicitly state or even imply his days of creation were long ages. How does all this get started then? The doubt about the days being little days. Well, let's go back to the beginning. The first attack on the word of God came in the Garden of Eden when Satan said, and I'm going to paraphrase, that's not what God really meant. Satan distorted the word of God. Today, we're hearing the same thing happening. The days, God defines them, puts a number with them. What are people saying? That's not what God really meant. Let me tell you what he said. He defined his days, evening and morning. What are we hearing from churches and some of our church leaders? That's not what God really meant. Let me tell you what he said. You see, today we hear the same thing happening that happened in the Garden of Eden. People want to reinterpret the plain reading of God's word based on their understanding of science rather than letting God's word, the Bible, be their authority. So we must ask this question. Why is this all so important? Why is it important to believe in a literal six-day creation? Let me give you four reasons. The authority of Scripture, the character of God, the words of Jesus, and the foundation for the gospel. Let me go through each one of these. Number one, the authority of Scripture. One of the rules of hermeneutics is the explicit rules over the implicit. If something is explicitly stated, it has precedence over something that might be implied. Well, God's Word clearly or explicitly states six literal days. If we cannot trust the plain reading of God's Word in the beginning, then when can we trust it and who's going to set the rules? So the authority of Scripture is called into question. Number two, why it matters, is the very character of God. In Genesis 1.31, it states, then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. In other words, God called his six days of creation very good or perfect. The question is, what does God very good or perfect mean? See, if the creation is billions of years old, meaning the days of creation being millions or billions of years each, then what would have been going on for those billions of years before Adam and Eve were created? The answer is easy. Billions of years of death, disease, and decay. Because the fossil record, folks, is a record of dead things. And all that would have been going on before Adam and Eve. This means God would have called death and disease very good. Well, if God's very good or perfect includes death and disease, then what will God restore everything to in the end? And why will heaven be so wonderful if he calls death and disease very good? See, the Bible tells us something else here. The Bible teaches in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 26, the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. You see, the Bible teaches death is an enemy 
not something very good. So we've had two of the reasons. The authority of Scripture is why it matters. The character of God is why it matters. Do we bow down and worship a God who called death, disease, and decay very good? Well, let's go to reason number three why it's important. The very words of our Savior, Jesus Christ. In Mark 10, in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verse 6, Jesus states, But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. Jesus is stating that man and woman were on this planet from the beginning of creation, not after millions of years. Is Jesus wrong here? Folks, if Jesus is wrong here, then maybe he's not God, and we're still dead in our sins. Jesus believed and taught man and woman were on this planet from the beginning of the creation, which leaves no room for millions of years before Adam and Eve. See, the Bible does have a wonderful consistency. It all teaches God created everything in six literal days. The question is, who or what are you trusting as your authority? Is it God's word or is it man's wisdom? Well, let's go to reason number four, the very foundation for the gospel. The Bible teaches in Romans 5.12, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. Also we read in Romans 8.22, For we know the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. That passage refers to all of creation becoming corrupt because of one man's sin. Now the important question is this. If the earth is old, what would have been going on before Adam and Eve? And again, the answer is death, disease, and decay, because that's exactly what the fossil record is. Therefore, a belief in long ages, meaning billions or millions of years, is a belief in death before sin. This now changes the very foundation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, if sin is not the cause of death, then why did Jesus have to come and die on that cross? Why did he have to conquer death? Millions and billions of years undermines the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, if we can't defend the fact that God is the creator of all things, and that he did it as the Bible plainly states in six literal days, then how can we, <clears throat> then how can we tell a non-believer to trust the Bible? Also, if we allow our children to accept the possibility that we can doubt the days of creation when the language speaks so plainly, then we are teaching them a different approach to all of Scripture. Why shouldn't they begin to doubt other parts of Scripture, such as Jonah and the big fish? Maybe people in the Old Testament didn't live to be hundreds of years old. Maybe Jesus really didn't walk on water. Maybe he didn't really turn water into wine. Maybe Jesus really wasn't dead for three days. Or maybe we don't have to believe the Bible anymore, and they begin to believe in evolution as the true alternative and begin walking away from the church. Ladies and gentlemen, we need strong church leaders who are unashamed to stand on the authority of God's Word. We need leaders who have answers to arguments that compromise God's Word. Once we as parents, teachers, and church leaders get trained we will begin to effectively train this next generation to stand firm and have answers and be witnesses for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We need leaders with courage, honor, and commitment to God's Word who are unashamed to teach. Just because somebody in your church doesn't believe in a little six-day creation is no reason for you not to teach it. 
all Scripture is God-breathed, and we need to teach it all. Well, I'm Mike Riddle, and you've been listening to Defending the Faith. You can find us on the web at creationtraining.org. You can also contact us at info, that's info at creationtraining.org. We would love to hear from you, your experiences in talking to people who don't believe in creation. Also, you might consider supporting this program so that we can continue to get the truth of God's creation out to many people. We rely on your support and your prayers to get this word out. There's two ways you can donate. One, you can do it online by going to our website, creationtraining.org. That's all one word, creationtraining.org. Or you can send your gifts to CTI. That's CTI at Post Office Box 2415, Eagle, Idaho. That's Box 2415, Eagle, Idaho, 83616. Go to our website, creationtraining.org. Again, that's creationtraining.org. Or email us at info at creationtraining.org. That's info at creationtraining.org. And don't forget, in the beginning, God created. Thank you and God bless. That's all for today's show. Defending the Faith airs each Saturday at noon right here on KBXL 94.1 The Voice. For more teachings and resources, visit creationtraining.org or the program archive page on 941thevoice.com.